The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. You're listening to the Ricky and Claude Wrestling Show. Listener discretion is advised at all times. Hello and thank you once again for downloading and listening to another episode of the Ricket and Clive Wrestling Show, part of the Social Suplex Podcast Network. My name's Clive and I am on my own tonight. Unfortunately, Ricky had some unforeseen family issues to deal with at quite short notice, so I am afraid to say this will be a solo venture tonight. However, I will try to keep up the energy levels, try and compensate for him not being here, with this being a solo venture. Uh, and as a tribute to Chad Matthews from Lords of Pain, who usually does a solo podcast as well, this will be the debut episode of The Jock Says. That's right, so if you want any more jokes like that, please feel free to continue listening. There's plenty more shite where that came from. So, the plan for tonight, it will be, I imagine, a quite a shorter episode than what you're used to. The plan is to go through a card for WWE's Super Showdown in Melbourne, Australia this Saturday. How I feel about the card, why I'm excited for it. The reason I'm excited for it is, basically what's happening is, uh, first and foremost, it's on at a reasonable time for myself to watch. So it'll be on during the day, morning and Saturday here in the UK, but I'll probably wait till later on that evening. What's happening is my wife is working away for a few days down in England, um, plugging her book and whatnot. And like any typical untrustworthy husband, I will be watching an unacceptable amount of wrestling while she's away. So I'll be catching up with the latest ICW, watch myself some Super Showdown, have a binge catch-up of Season 1 of Lucha Underground... The limits are endless and I cannot wait. I'll be all wrestled out by the time my wife comes back. Speaking of my wife, I'm on my own tonight so I don't need to steer a conversation, don't need to mediate up to four people. I can say what I want. So a cheap plug going to my wife who has a book out this week. She writes fantasy books. Short story dropped on Amazon this very day. Might have been a couple of days ago now actually but if you're into fantasy novellas and whatnot or you just want to support my goal of becoming a podcasting house husband, then search for Shona Kinsella on Amazon. The book is called Petra MacDonald and the Queen of the Fae. Even if you don't like fantasy books, but want to help Mrs Clive get over, pass on those details to all your loved ones. That's the first cheap plug of the show. Moving on to Super Showdown. So, first match of the evening... Well, I don't even know if it will be the first match of the evening. I'm just going from what I gleaned from somewhere on the internet at some point. I'm talking straight now. Right, let's move on quickly. Cedric Alexander versus Buddy Murphy for the Cruiserweight Championship. This might be a bit of a random match as far as 205 Live Canon is concerned because there hasn't really been much build-up to it. I've still to see this week's 205 Live, which will be on the network later on this evening. I'll watch that in the morning. 
but they've been focused heavily on Drew Gulak at the moment with Cedric Alexander so there hasn't really been much room for Buddy Murphy to get to get going as far as his sort of championship challenge is concerned versus Alexander but it's just, it is a bit of a random match but it does make sense Murphy's hometown of Melbourne, Australia and a lot, like a lot of this card it's only started to make sense after the fact so there is that I'm not sure I believe in the hometown curse anymore seeing people win championships in their hometown many a time some matches here and there uh, but this is still at the end of the day a glorified house show and I don't think they have plans of taking the title off Alexander anytime soon the, the cynic in me wonders if it's just to beat Neville's record which I believe is coming up within the next two or three weeks uh, Neville's cruiserweight championship reign uh, Cedric's coming close to that so we shall see I may be reading too much into it for the 205 Live Marks listing it is coming up roughly for the second quarterly review of the show which just so happens to coincide with the 100th episode there or thereabouts of 205 Live and the end of my 205 Live column series uh, the top 10 best cruiserweights on the show on Lords of Pain as hosted by Chad Matthews himself uh, I won't go on too much about that just now the whole 205 Live stuff hopefully we'll get that done later on down the line but Buddy Murphy has been an absolute revelation on 205 Live I've enjoyed basically every single singles match he's been in he's great to watch, he's a very dynamic very dangerous wrestler I've only seen him wrestle Alexander once as far as I'm as I can recall so should be a good match he's got that hometown advantage I'm not sure how much of a household name he is in front of the fans there but I'm sure just for the fact that Murphy is from Melbourne he should get a good show in there but I think I'll predict an Alexander retention for this one and it was pointed out to me earlier by Rance from Outsider's Edge Alexander could successfully defend the title in three different continents and that's quite sad really it should have been Ali all along ladies and gents moving on to the next match which also features some Australian superstars <coughs> excuse me I'm not sure exactly where the iconics Peyton Royce and Billy Kay are from in Australia but it would be a bit silly of them not to be included in this card this lovely house show they're facing off against Asuka and Naomi this this is when not religiously watching weekly TV comes back to haunt you. So I've not really been following this too much. Has there been much of a build to this, or is this just another one of those? Let's put a match on the card and enjoy it while we can. I've not got I haven't got many problems about it. It does it makes sense that you would want iconics involved, as I said. As for Asuka's new fun-loving character, okay, fair enough. They've not got anything else for her at the moment. Becky and Charlotte are the main feature of the women's division, if not SmackDown overall. So she can't be in the main event all the time. She's got this quirky gimmick going on, dancing a lot with Naomi. It does irk me, to be fair, that after being embarrassed by Carmella, for months on end, might I add, that all of a sudden they were shucking and jiving. Yep, I said that uh, a couple of weeks ago. But there we are, that's WWE Continuity 101 right there for you. Only thing noticeable about this, about this direction to me is that this got me thinking about a report that I saw online a few weeks, well, a couple of weeks, months ago now, where 
Asuka was supposed to be seen as a heel, coming back as a heel. She's clearly a baby face, not a heel as the quote-unquote sources would have told you back in August time. Yet again, this is more... This could come back to haunt me, fair enough, but more dirt sheet bullshit that is just speculation driving the narrative in a direction that they want. See, see these days, regardless of what the internet the article is, unless it comes from the horse's mouth, I'm starting to not believe a single thing I read on news sites these days, as all it is is according to sources or according to Meltzer or Alvarez, ask us turning heel, uh, there's one recently, Authors of Pain, Turning Heel. Kevin Owens quit because Vince McMahon wants him to lose weight for a massive babyface run. And he's back as a heel the, the very next week. It's tiresome and it just makes me not believe anything that people say. Aye, but Meltzer said this. I don't care. Stop it. Stop quoting from these sources. Do something else with your life. <laughs> Stop making wrestling news sites, headlines, read like a Mad Libs printout. So... That was a wee rant there. It's just, you see some stuff on the internet and think, right, that's just a load of shite. But people lap it up all the time, which is a shame to see. So next up on this wee list I have here is the New Day versus the Bar for the SmackDown Tag Team Championships. I should start this by saying, as is obvious over the many, many years that wrestling has been on, that house shows don't necessarily mean title changes but I would rather like one here if I'm being honest with you I've said it time and again I am bored and tired of this New Day gimmick cutting cutting the same slapstick promos almost every single week and by the way in the process they're loathing, lowering their opponents to that same slapstick silliness which I've not really got time for I watched, I watched New Day's promo last night and it was just the same old shite all the time for me they need to just stop that. New Day are at their best when they're wrestling. Look at the matches they had with Usos last year and some of this year as well. Had a couple of good matches with the Bar as well. In the lead up to the tournament that they had, even good matches with the Bludgeon Brothers. Yeah, right, so I've got an idea for them. Some fantasy booking perhaps. Their faces... As I said, they're most, more interesting when they're just re- basically wrestling or they're more interesting when they've got a serious threat ahead of them, a front of them. So why don't you kill a few birds with one stone, get this whole shared universe stuff on the go. You've got Randy Orton seeming to pick Shinsuke's opponents apart. So Randy and Orton could form a tag, maybe not in a tag team as such, but an alliance of sorts, team them up against the New Day. Shinsuke Nakamura has the US title around his waist, so there could be that um, revolving around it. Maybe you could get... So that's like two two guys who are arseholes, who like to do nasty bad boy things against a new day. Get rid of the pancakes and the ice cream truck bicycles and shit like that for just a moment, please. Uh, maybe give them some new... Give the new day some singles gold. Even have them freebird that belt, the US belt. I think that would be excellent, maybe a wee bit gimmicky. But if you've got all three of the guys defending the title on a regular basis, even if it was some sort of, what do you call those things, open challenge, make it like a TV title, that would keep things fresh for a long time for those guys. Just do something different. Because I want to see the bar kick some ass, not pour pancake batter over people and... Oh... Anyway, moving on. 
Daniel Bryan. Oh, have I actually? I didn't predict the other ones. I'll just need to go back a wee bit. <laughs> I did predict that Cedric Alexander will retain. I think the Iconics, they will fall victim to the good old-fashioned hometown curse or home country curse. And they'll lose quite easily to Ascot and Iwomi, probably with an Ascot tap out. The New Day will probably retain. I would like to see the bar win, but I can't see it happening at the moment. There's just that thing at the back of my head where Seamus has got this injury. But that was according to sources, so I'll just shut up now. Daniel Bryan versus The Miz. Right. Um, other ones don't have stakes in them, you would assume, because they're house shows. But Daniel Bryan versus The Miz does have something at stake where the winner faces off against either champion, whether it's AJ Styles or Samoa Joe, for the WWE Championship. This is this has been getting good again. I was a wee bit uh, not miffed, just a bit sort of low with the Miz and Maurice and Brie, Brie and Brian carry on that they had going on leading up to Hell in a Cell. But I was surprised. I was actually surprised at the win for Miz and Maurice at Hell in a Cell. To be honest, they seem to be piling the L's on to Brian in this feud that's ongoing, which makes me think that Brian will win the championship opportunity at Super Showdown. I don't know though because it would make sense from a storyline side of things for Miz to get this title. And like I said a few weeks ago, I think with how AJ has spent months and months trying to vanquish his opponents just surviving by the skin of his teeth and no more. The, the Miz and AJ have a one match, one pay-per-view match, one storyline, where the Miz wins straight away, 10-minute match or something, and wins by nefarious means. <clears throat> that would raise the Miz's stock quite considerably. He's a champion again, something he has deserved for all that hard work he's put in, both on SmackDown and on Raw over the last two years now. So that would be a well-deserved reward for him. Um so I think I'm going to go for a Miz win on Saturday. I want to touch a wee bit on the, the match that Daniel Bryan had with Shelton Benjamin on Tuesday night Smackdown. I really enjoyed the stuff that was going on with this one with the Miz on commentary. He was laying it on thick that he'd picked Shelton Benjamin, who on Twitter, by the way, as far as I'm aware, had said he's tired of not getting TV opportunities so the Miz killed a couple of birds with one stone. That might be my catchphrase for this episode tonight. Uh, the Miz said, right, Shelton, you come and work for me and you deal with Daniel Bryan for your own credibility. Little little did we all, well, we did all know that the Miz was just doing the tactic of making sure that Bryan was softened up with um, at the hands of a good athlete ahead of their match on Saturday. So that was good. I like that tactic where they've got they're thinking ahead, future planning instead of just softening someone up for the end of that single match. So, and like the Miz said in commentary, Benjamin, he could be the next sort of B team. I can't believe it, it does. His name does start with B, so there is that to him. But it's a case of if it gives Shelton some TV time. And he's not really been used that much at all since he came back to WWE as far as TV's concerned. Then it's a win-win for everyone involved there. It's his muscle. The Miz could use some muscle to hide behind while he keeps a hold of whether it's the championship opportunity, credibility or the title if he beats AJ. So we'll see with that one. Now, the match that I'm quite intrigued by 
for some unbeknownst reason, is the unlikely pairings of John Cena and Bobby Lashley versus Kevin Owens and Elias. This is one of those matches where you read it on the card, which was just randomly announced, and you think, what were they thinking with this one? Such a random pairing between the two of them. John Cena's been nowhere to be... You can't see John Cena anymore, as he constantly says. Kevin Owens and Elias is a strange combination, which is actually working. We'll get on to that in a wee minute. The Bobby Lashley's... I wouldn't say he's been rejuvenated, because it's basically his spirit guide, Leo Rush, who has become the interesting part of that combination. So... Before, like since WrestleMania up until the last few weeks, Bobby Lashley has been a bit of a bore. Let's not beat about the bush here. He's been just humdrum, nothing interesting about him. He's had one or two, uh, one or two pay-per-view matches, and they've not really set the header alight at all. But Leo Rush has come along, uh, cutting his promos, making out as if as if he's this Flash guy, just like the same one he was on in Two or Five Live. He has a face here, which is a bit strange, but what can you do? They seem to not really care about 205 Live's character alignment because you've got everyone's favourite likeable lad, Jake Maverick, as the sort of heel manager for Authors of Pain. But Leo Rush is being used. I can't really complain about 205 Live guys being used on the main roster, so I'll just accept it as it is, basically. But Leo Rush has, I would say, been a bit of a, a breath of fresh air for that sort of mid-card scene, and Bobby Lashley in general. One thing I have noticed over the last few weeks in the skits that they've had, Leo Rush has avoided just barely being completely demolished and torn apart, power-bombed, apron-bombed, whatever you want to call them, by Kevin Owens. So I hope that we see some sort of demolition this week. Uh, The Heat, if you've seen the most recent Monday Night Raw, Elias made a comment about Seattle not having a basketball team I am a tad clueless as far as this is concerned I have heard of the Sonics and as far as I'm aware the Sonics are no longer in Seattle so the crowd heat was just sustained and noisy and there was even a part where you could see in Kevin Owens face oh wow this is fantastic so Kevin Owens and Elias an unlikely pairing but it seems to be working out well another thing with this one is don't know if you've been paying attention to random things on social media, but John Cena's been posing, he's been doing weights. He has cut his weight like an MMFer recently. And it seems very, very ripped, suspectly ripped, considering what we've seen from recent wrestlers. And I'm calling it now, this is an exclusive. Uh, because, as far as I'm aware, I'm not sure if this is true, Brock Lesnar, when he was suspended from... UFC for performance enhancing that he didn't need to be tested in WWE because he was not a full-time performer is that right so if that's the case John Cena is now officially a part-timer because it looks to me based on his Arnold Schwarzenegger 1970s 80s look that he's got going on that he's just went mental and has started hammering those steroids I mean how else how else could you explain that hair that he's got going on just now as well the, someone needs to tell John Cena that the show on Saturday night is not called Super Sideshed, it's called Super Showdown. Hopefully he gets a wee short, short back in the sides <laughs> at some point before Saturday. 
I think it'll be a fun-filled, shenanigan-heavy match. I will have the popcorn and foam finger out for that one. There also is the return altercation between John Cena and Kevin Owens, who have avoided each other for quite some time now, so that'll be interesting to see. Uh, tough to call, really. John Cena comes back once in a blue moon these days. I think he's more interested in looking like Lex Luger than he is wrestling these days so I'm going to say that Kevin Owens and Elias will pick up a win and Elias will probably say something similar to the Australian fans as far as getting nuclear heat on the go so I'm randomly really looking forward to that match even though it involves John Cena who's been one of my pet peeves recently next up is Becky Lynch versus Charlotte Flair for the Smackdown Women's Championship I was a wee bit apprehensive about how they were going to go forward with Becky Lynch winning the title at Hell in a Cell. It seemed like a an knee-jerk reaction to the fan backlash that they got from her not winning, not beating either Carmella or Charlotte Flair in the triple threat at SummerSlam. But the story that they have went with in the last few weeks where Becky Lynch just is a relentless um, gate-crashing Charlotte Flair's photo shoots gate-crashing the, the fights that Rusev and Lana have had together, just basically running roughshod around the arena, the roster, the locker room, whatever you want to call it. Staking claim to being the most interesting person. The face of WWE, as she said on this week's SmackDown. It's hard to argue with that at the moment. Uh, it's definitely the face of SmackDown. Not sure about the whole of WWE, but she's doing well for herself. One thing I have noticed about her promos the last wee while is... Uh, she was very shouty with her promos all the way up till leading up to Hell in a Cell, shouting in very sort of gobby mouth. Maybe that's just the Irish accent that helps that. But she's been very calm and controlled, and she's dropped the the volume quite a just a wee bit, which reminds me of maybe been Jake the Snake Roberts who said, "In order." If you've got the you've got the audience in the palm of your hand, if you in a promo don't need to shout and you're basically whispering. Now Becky Lynch isn't whispering, but she's very controlled and low volumed, so that's quite good. It's get gets people in, drawn into what she's saying. The, the segment that she had in Charlotte Flair this week, she was basically saying, "I'm fed up with even me, even though I am still the face of WWE. It's not my face. It's been used for upcoming magazine articles, front covers." It's not my um, model that's been used for wrestling figures with the belts. It's still Charlotte Flair. So Becky Lynch has made up her own poster for the show, which is part of this episode's picture thing that you get the thumbnail for in your podcast. It's been quite good, Becky Lynch's stuff. Again, I'm not sure if Hell in a Cell was an eject reaction, but whatever, whatever they've done the last few weeks, it seems to have worked out quite well. This one's hard to call as far as who will win between Becky Lynch and Flair because you've got Evolution coming up so I'm wondering there's just such a fan backlash against Charlotte Flair at the moment that maybe they had hoped to have Charlotte Flair beat, Evol- beat Becky Lynch at Evolution with the hopes of a, a lovely coronation and all that stuff but the tide is on Becky Lynch's side at the moment so it's hard to hard to pick I'm just going to go with the rule of because it's a house show, there won't be a title change in this one, and Becky Lynch will keep it. Maybe she'll drop it at Evolution, or I think she'll drop it before the end of 2018 anyway, but 
where does Becky Lynch go after that? That's the question. I wonder if she has got the the stock, if her stock will continue to stay high. If she, <coughs> excuse me. I wonder if her stock will continue to stay high if she isn't in the championship picture. Because let's be honest, her stock wasn't high when she wasn't in the championship picture. So unless Becky Lynch is there to stay for a long time, we'll just need to see what happens. Next up, another women's match. You have Ronda Rousey and the Bella Twins, the Shoot Sisters, as I'm going to start calling them, versus the Riot Squad. Uh, and I have, I need to hold my hands up, not all the way up. Uh, I would say that I am enjoying what they're doing with Ronda Rousey at the moment, where she's been, they're pitting her against factions, not just singular people, many obstacles to climb. The offence that opponents get in is believable. Take, for instance, Ruby Riot's fish hook on Monday night, pulling Rousey's, Rousey's jaw like this. Um, doesn't matter if you've got an MMA background, it's hard to deal with something like that. So all this adversity, for me, is helping her mould out a character, um, which I can believe in, because I was dreading her just being this sort of part-time figure, coming in, and just being dominant champion. We had that already with Brock Lesnar. I did not want a repeat of it. Thankfully, we're not getting a repeat of it so far. Her her uh, allegiance to the Bella Twins, the Shoot Sisters. <sighs> See, it's strange because the, the Bellas are getting still really loud reactions when it comes to um, TV audiences. Even the match that Brie, Brie had, Hell in a Cell, the crowd were right into that for some reason. Maybe that helped my enjoyment of it. It's just the Bella Twins. The Bella Twins are popular. There is no denying that. And if you do, if you do deny it, then okay. But it's true they are popular. They're not that great in the ring, though. Nikki might be marginally better than Bree, but with what Bree did to Liv Morgan a couple, uh, last week, concussing her officially, I wonder if they'll have to change the outcome of it. Where they'll have to have Bree Bella turn on Ronda instead of Nikki Bella that's just nonsense because nobody wants to see Ronda Rousey versus Brie Bella at any pay-per-view um, the match I'm not sure what's going to happen the Riot Squad seem to have all three members fit and healthy don't know why because Liv Morgan she's, she was concussed last week surely they're going to let her rest maybe they'll just not have her involved in the match or something I don't know but Ronda Rousey will probably get most of the offence against her and for her. It will be the Ronda Rousey show, maybe the Ruby Riot show as well. So all the R's you can think of there. Nikki and Brie. Oh, I don't know. Not much to say about them there. Sorry. Sorry for any Shoot Sisters fans out there. So we're going to move back over to Smackdown Live with the, the men's WWE Championship featuring Alan Jones Styles versus Samoa Joe. Apart from this being a, a no rules free for all, whatever you want to call it, no DQ, no count outs, I'm not as invested in this as I once was. AJ's hard done by to the point where he can't appear on TV anymore, stick is wearing quite thin quite quickly. It's becoming apparent that for some reason these guys aren't allowed on TV at the same time. I'm not sure what's going on there. In fact, I don't know if AJ appeared at the house shows in between the last two Smackdowns. 
if they are then when they say stuff like that where he has to stay at home and look after his family because Samoa Joe almost um, invaded the, the Styles household it's just he's, he's not coming across as a believably uh, victimised father in all of this his acting's a bit skew if to coin a phrase Samoa Joe's been on fire the whole time uh, AJ, AJ Styles has had so much thrown at him on the reg since what since the stuff with Kevin Owens last year where it gets personal quite quickly and he fights again he fights tooth and nail scratch and claw whatever you want to call it and it just seems a bit weak in terms of how much you want to root for him is what I'm trying to say and he's done well the matches have been okay they've not been amazing but there's nothing about this that think, makes me think this is going to be great because I'm worried that there's going to be another fuck finish of some description or that AJ will walk out despite, yet again, Samoa Joe, Samoa Joe, Samoa Joe, well, um, Samoa Joe doing all the hard work in terms of promos, uh, mic work and stuff like that. It just says to me that this whole thing that's been going on with Styles and Joe, it says to me that the title should have changed hands at Hell in a Cell instead of going down this road of uh, AJ tapping out at the same time that Joe pinned AJ. Ugh, I got mixed up there. You know what I'm trying to say. I think they should have just changed it. And I'm worried because I don't see them really changing the title changing hands here at a house show. I could be wrong. I think AJ's time is up. I think it's time for him to do something else, even if it's a heel turn or just some sort of character shift where he loses it a wee bit instead of being the sort of more wholesome than thou kind of guy that he's been throughout most of this. So I'm going to I'm going to go for a bold prediction here and predict that Samoa Joe walks away with the title, especially if there's no no countouts and no disqualification. But if Samoa Joe loses this, then that's another big time feud that he's been involved in and he's walked away the loser with the big L tattooed on his lovely forehead. And I don't really want to make this comparison, but it's starting to, if it, this keeps going on, it's starting to go right down the road of Bray Wyatt where some great mic work, great promos, quite inventive, creative going on. At the end of the day, he walks away the loser. And although Bray Wyatt has never really been about winning feuds, he's all about getting uh, doing the psychological warfare. Samoa Joe is doing psychological warfare, but he is there to win. He wants to win matches, he wants to win feuds, and he hardly ever walks away as the winner. So here's hoping for a wee change, and just to jazz things up, that we get the Samoa Joe win. Only downside to that is... Roman Reigns and Samoa Joe could end up facing off against each other at Survivor Series and those guys stank the joint out of New York, some place in New York, the name escapes me right now. Whereas AJ Styles and Roman Reigns at Survivor Series had a couple of barn burners to say the least in 2016, the springtime. I would be much more interested in seeing that match if, if they are going to go down the whole route of Survivor Series Brand versus brand. So we'll see what happens there. But I think I'd like to see Joe win just for the sake of SmackDown Live's credibility and main event scene being bolstered a wee bit rather than just one match at Survivor Series. 
two matches left to go. I did say it would be short. Don't worry, I'll still get some quiz time. I'll think of something for some quiz time towards the end. But the second to last match will be Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose, a.k.a. the Hounds of Justice, The Shield, versus Braun Strowman, Dolph Ziggler and Drew McIntyre, a.k.a. Dogs of War. The match itself should be good. Shield six-man tags are more often than not really great. Dean and Seth have been tagging with each other for a long time over the last year or so. Or when Dean's not been injured, the ratio of them wrestling together when they're doing individual stuff is low. There's combustible elements involved with this one, with Dean or Drew possibly turning on either side. Um, I think, I don't, just for the record, I'm not sure if I think Dean will be turning because the guy's too loyal and he's loyal to a fault because we've seen what happens in the past this whole um, will they won't they that happened with the Shield long time ago 2014 and it ended up being Seth Rollins that betrayed everyone I'm not sure if it will be Dean but it probably will be when all is said and done because as things currently stand there is every possibility and within creative sense that we could have a shield triple threat for the Universal title at WrestleMania. And that would be right good fun, especially if Dean goes heel at that point. Um, I'd be more than willing to see that. So, only thing I can't, like, one thing negative about this is this feud feels like it has been going on for a long, long time now. It seems to be a vacuum. Like, they're stealing all the interest, uh, a lot of the segments, a lot of the matches. And most other things on Raw seem inconsequential, as it were. Maybe not inconsequential, but the other things just seem like bit parts as far as the stuff going on with Baron Corbin, the Dogs of War and the Shield, taking up a lot of TV time, which is fair enough. I mean, at the end of the day, you're still talking about the IC title, the tag titles, the Universal title, so they're all still there. They're visible. Sometimes you do get the odd title match involved in this year as well, so at least everything's been used, but I think after this it's time to move on and try something a bit different. So once you get Roman Reigns and Braun Strowman involved in this triple threat with Brock Lesnar at Crown Jewel, um, <clears throat> try and think of something different to do with the main event scene and the mid-card scene as well. So we'll see what happens there. The last one, according to this list, is The Undertaker versus Triple H. I honestly, guys, I really don't care. The Undertaker retired last year's WrestleMania. This is the last match ever. Despite them regularly, more often than I can remember saying, the end of an era when they had their Hell in a Cell match at WrestleMania 20-something, 28. And I don't, I'm not going to go negative on it. This has been a pretty laid-back show where I'm just talking nonsense, but it's 2018. I don't want to see Undertaker versus Triple H. When that happens, if it's the last match, I'll start sort of tidying up the living room, <clears throat> getting ready for my beddy buys. Or I could sit and watch it and be enthralled because Shawn Michaels is back with um, Kane as well. Who am I kidding? I don't care. I really don't. These guys, I mean... <clears throat> The combined age of these fellows, it must be over 200. Let me pause it for... I'm going to pause this and I'll come back to you with the combined age of these guys very quickly. 
Hello, I'm back. Did some calculating thanks to some Google search engine stuff. The combined age of Undertaker, Triple H, Shawn Michaels and Kane. Bear in mind, I know that this is a... It's not a singles... It's not a tag match. It's a singles match. But all these guys involved, combined age of 205. Now, the six-man tag, because even though it's not a tag match between Triple H and Taker, you know that there's going to be shenanigans involved. 205 years old between the four of them. The six-man tag between the Shield and the Dogs of War, combined age of six guys is 203. Six guys at 203 versus four guys at 205. And it shows because they're getting old and it's becoming it's coming to the point where you just don't want to see them wrestle anymore. It's hard to watch, so... Please, please I don't care if it's a house show. They're taking up valuable time on Monday Night Raw and SmackDown. Please stop relying on part-timers so heavily. It's becoming an absolute bugbear of mine to the point where I'll just switch off entirely. But I won't go down the road of sullying this. I'll just leave it at that. Who wins? Don't care. So as far as I'm aware, that brings us to the end of the card for Super Showdown. A mixed bag there. Some matches that I'm more interested in seeing than others. There are one, two... Three, four, five tag matches out of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. So that's fifty percent are tag matches. That's fine. You're wanting to, it's a house show. These things happen. You've got to get them on the card. You've got plenty of other promotions that put on loads of tag matches. I think New Japan had their American show there where. Was it 8 out of 10 had tag matches so it's going to be fun guys I'll be watching it on Saturday night with some popcorn and foam finger maybe I actually do have a foam finger in the house so I might get that out and take pictures and send them if anyone actually wants to see me with a foam finger then hit me up at Ricky and Clive on Twitter <laughs> so uh, right let's get some quiz time on the go then it's fucking quiz time with Ricky and Clive and friends. A fucking WWE quiz. Now you are probably wondering how a quiz segment, which usually involves two or more people, is going to work with just one of me here. What I'm going to do is I'm going to steal something from WalkCulture.com because, funnily enough. I'm not sure how many wrestling podcasts do quiz segments or if they're just quiz on the shows, but all of a sudden what culture have started doing quiz um, articles on their website. If you didn't steal it intentionally, then screw you guys, screw you. I'll just steal your work and make it part of the show. Uh, and for other people who've started stealing stuff, ideas of ours on Twitter communities, you know who you are. Have a look at yourself. Uh, at least pass on our lovely podcast to others before you start stealing ideas I will leave it at that ladies and gentlemen so I'm going to go for how well do you know NXT I like to think I know it fairly well so I'm going to go with it I don't know how long this quiz lasts but it looks to me like it's multiple choice number one at which takeover did Finn Balor's Demon King gimmick debut at the choices are Brooklyn 2 
Well, that says Takeover 2. All right, Brooklyn 2, Brooklyn 1, Our Revolution or War Games? The answer is Our Revolution. That was the first one I watched, uh, A Joyous Night, and if I remember correctly, that uh, entrance alone garnered a holy shit chant from the NXT Full Sail crowd, so I remember it insanely well. So I'm going for Our Revolution. Next question. Which of these NXT superstars have won a title or tournament in NXT? So Alexa Bliss, The Mighty, as in TM61, American Alpha, Chad Gable and Jason Jordan, or Lars Sullivan? That is American Alpha, who won the tag team titles at Dallas TakeOver. Come on, guys, make this as harder than it is. Because if I remember correctly, Rance Morris quizzed us on NXT and absolutely destroyed us. How many NXT champions have there been in its history? 10, 16, 20 or 17? Oh. Well, I'm going to go for 16. I'm pretty sure it's 16. I can't be bothered counting. But it's either 16 or 17 and I'm going for 16. Number four. Who was the first NXT champion? Was it Seth Rollins, Jinder Mahal, Tyson Kidd or Samuel Zayn? The answer is Seth Rollins. <sighs> I tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. They should get us to do some of these quiz articles for what culture because so far, apart from that one, it was pretty easy. Which faction did Roderick Strong team with at NXT TakeOver Wargames? Fuck's sake. The sanity, Authors of Pain, The Undisputed Era or Neither? You can't say neither when it's out of three. Neither means two. I think that's right. Any. You say any. You can't say either. This guy. I'm burying this guy. It should be none. None of the above. The answer, by the way, is Authors of Pain. Here's a, a good picture of Drew McIntyre's winking grill. Which of these debuting superstars did not debut at a takeover at ringside? Alright, so I think the answer is... <laughs> the question is basically what they said. Who didn't show their face for the first time on NXT at ringside? Bobby Roode, Adam Cole, EC3 or Drew McIntyre? Your answer, ladies and gentlemen, is Adam Cole, who gatecrashed the party of Drew McIntyre's championship win. I could do this stuff in my sleep. Am I being harsh? Let me see what the next one is. How many championships are assigned to NXT? You have the guys, the women's, the tag, the North American. Four. No point in doing multiple choice for that. Picture of Kalisto here. Which main roster talent moved down to NXT to team up with Kalisto in 2014? Fandango, Sin Cara, John Cena or Dolph Ziggler? I think it was John Cena. I'm getting angry. Number nine. Who was Bailey's inspiration behind her attire for her match at NXT TakeOver Brooklyn? Now, one that I'm not actually sure about. TakeOver Brooklyn. It says Iron Man, which was her inspiration at TakeOver Respect. 
It wasn't Tristratus, it wasn't Ric Flair, so it's Macho Man. I think they've shown the wrong picture on this article here because that was the Iron Man stuff, but that wasn't at Brooklyn. Uh, number 10 which two I'll just make this the last one because I'm getting bored which two NXT superstars generated WWE's first five star match since MITB Money in the Bank 2011 the answer is nobody because I don't give a shit about Meltzer star ratings but I think the answer that they're looking for is Andrade Cien Almas and Johnny Gargan- Gargano Gargango uh, Johnny Gargano uh, NXT TakeOver Phil- Philadelphia your other options were Ricochet and Pete Dunne Adam Cole and Ricochet and Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano I'll just pick that hopefully this is the last one your answer's 70% right This guy, this guy's got it wrong. At which takeover did Finn Balor's Demon King gimmick debut at? You saying Brooklyn? No, it wasn't. What other ones did they say I got wrong? Apparently there are five NXT titles. You sure? NXT, women's NXT, tag team, and North American. That's correct, isn't it? Which mean, right, so I got that right. Who was Bailey's inspiration behind her attire for her match at NXT TakeOver Brooklyn? It says Iron Man, but that is not the case because the Iron Man attire was in tribute to the Iron Man match that they had at TakeOver Respect. Those are the three that I apparently got wrong, but the author of this article got three wrong themselves. So if you're going to start doing quizzes, then get your facts right in the first place. What culture? Shambles. Um, feel free to lambast them all you want. I've got no love for what culture anymore, especially after this carry-on. Three wrong, even though that I'm right. If I'm wrong, by the way, feel free to call me out, but I'm sure that I'm spot on. Disgraceful stuff. Right guys, we're coming to the close now. You've put up with me for long enough. The This is the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show. We are on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Um, on your iTunes or your Podbean, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you listen to this, try and give us a five-star review. That helps us with the algorithms and helps us get over. We've had quite an interesting lineup this last week or so. We had... Rich and James on One Nation Radio, they sort of broke down the 2K19 game that's coming out, looked at the the star ratings, not the star star ratings, the ratings that people got and how that relates to real life. Quite an interesting breakdown there. Keeping it strong still, guys, they covered, the name escapes me right this second, but there was a New Japan show in America at the weekend there. So they went into, as usual, really good in-depth with what's going on there. Um... Grown men watch this shit. They covered Battle of Los Angeles last week. Um, shout out to Jeff Cobb, by the way, who won the Bola tournament. Jeff Cobb, uh, a close and personal friend of Ricky and Clive, more Ricky than me because I shot it and he did all the autograph picture hunting. And of course, Outsider's Edge uh, with Rance and Kyle, who 
just tore people to shreds. It was good fun listening to that. Hashtag bring Carl back. Um, Outsider's Edge is also simulcast on the Chairshot Radio Network as well. Wrestling Squared Circle Facebook group is where you can go to find us, talk about, we put up threads for Raw, Smackdown, pay-per-views, NXT, 205 Live, if there's enough interest, probably not, fair enough. Um, and lots of other people there that you can chat to about wrestling. We are the Ricky, at Ricky and Clive on Twitter and Facebook. Instagram is Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show. There's nobody here to tell me if I've missed anything as part of this plug. There is one thing which I remembered. I do the 205 Live columns, uh, the reviews on a weekly basis. You can find them at socialsuplex.com. Uh, you get NXT reviews as well, lots of other columns that drop now and again. And if you want the columns and these podcasts directly sent to your inbox, you can subscribe on that website. So that brings us to the end of the show, but it wouldn't be a Rick and Clive show without uh, leaving you with a belter. So here we go. The WWE's heat magnet of the moment, the drifter, good old Elias Samson, has started his own YouTube cooking show, but it specifically works on like Chinese cooking, um, using traditional recipes, techniques for how you can work, make things taste as good as if they were in a Chinese restaurant. And that YouTube channel is called Walk with Elias. See, see what I did there? W-O-K with Elias. You're very welcome, ladies and gentlemen, and thank you for taking making it to the end of this show. That's nearly 50 minutes, so well done, you. You deserve a star. And I hope you enjoy Super Showdown. Hopefully we've got Ricky back next week. Thoughts going out to you, sir. And speak to you next week. Good night. Thank you for listening to the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Podcast. We'll see you next time.